crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Angela. Woo! Episode 30. Yeah. Anyway, so this week we're going to finish up my story after Angela tells her story. All right, so let's jump right in. I got my information from medium.com, medium, and Murderpedia. And this is a real bummer of a story. Oh, good. I found it when looking for, I was like doing research for another story, and then they had like a link for this one, and I was like, oh. And then I was like, this sucks. And then I like had to keep doing it because I had no other no mm, other stories. Like I had already started. Too far. So, yeah, basically. So <laughs> this is yeah, really sad. So great. Great. <laughs> At least we'll end it on a happier note with just like a white collar <laughs> scam. <laughs> so here we go. When twenty four year old Rebecca Gay went missing on Halloween, which I could have done this one on oh. Halloween. I know. 2012. Oh, speaking of, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone in the U.S. It's coming up this week. I was going to try and do like a Thanksgiving thing, but then I found a Halloween one instead. So, And uh, yeah, remember, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So please do not get together for Thanksgiving yeah. unless you already live together. I feel because like it's too late for hello. That. <laughs> Come on, guys. Get it together. Stop fucking spreading this shit. Okay. So Halloween 2012, they she lived in a small town called Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Okay. Uh, everyone in that small town was obviously like, what the fuck? She was described as a loving and caring mother to her three-year-old... Wait. Sorry, she just went missing Halloween night, you said? Yeah. Okay. So she had a three-year-old son named Conway, and when she disappeared, she had just been promoted to the head cashier at her job at... A- Goodwill. I read in one article that it was at Goodwill, and she was working on building a better life for her and her son. Sounds like she was getting okay. it all good on track. She was yeah. wonderful and just all Moving around a lovely work, person. Doing good. Okay. So as authorities searched for Rebecca's body in a rural area in Isabel County, about 85 miles northwest of Lansing, at mm. Rebecca's church, so she would go to this church called Christ Community Fellowship. And the pastor there was named John D. White. And he was like, okay, everyone, let's pray for her. There's, there are like 14 <sighs> members of the congregation. And they were like praying for her safe return home. And I, I'm sorry. I just, I cannot stand that. Like, go out and do something. Don't pray. Like, we're just going to like think thoughts in our head. And like a magical well, being is going to grant wishes. I mean, I mean, I, like, the is, idea, behi- the thought behind it is nice. Like, no, but there's something know. to, there is something to like uniting everyone's like 
minds and like their subconscious to put it out there into the world that like this is what it's like part of that like tapping into the super conscious where it's like we're all putting our thoughts into this one thing the more people who put their thoughts into that the more likely it is to happen kind of a thing i don't I know about don't that know. to I me do. it's more like get the fuck out there and look for her don't like well maybe they were <laughs> looking and praying i don't know but anyway i'm just not a fan of praying obviously her her mom sally said for 20 excruciating hours we prayed that rebecca would come home really that's sad. a lot that's, that's okay yeah yeah so it's a lot of time that she was missing yeah uh, but little did they all know uh, pastor john knew more knew than he was letting I on knew it never mm-hmm. trust a pastor so actually john d white was not always a pastor or even they a man of are. god they never are. In his younger days, he served in the Navy before he became a long-haul trucker. He was 22 years old and married, living in Battle Creek, Michigan. God, I forget that people, like, live so much life at such I young know. ages. I know. It's crazy. I was, like, picturing this, like, old gruff dude when you're, like, he was, like, in the Navy and, like, a long-haul trucker. And yeah. then, like, you're, like, and 22. <laughs> well, that changed my view of him. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So, one day in 1980, John invited his 17-year-old neighbor, Teresa Etherton, over. Mm-mm. He brought her down to his basement to look uh-uh. at his racetrack. No, no, no. <gasps> You're not going to a grown man's basement to look at a racetrack. What the hell? Yeah, well, while she wasn't looking, I think your intuition is leading you correctly, he attacked her. Uh, he, The first jab came from behind. This is how they phrased it. The first jab, jab. came from behind. And was under her right shoulder blade, but I think that jab was what? actually a stab because he stabbed her 15 times <gasps> and he choked her the whole time he was smiling. Ew! Teresa survives. She later stated that John... Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. She said, John wiped my mouth off and he kissed <gasps> me and he held my hand and said... You are going to go now. I'm really <gasps> sorry you had to go like this, but what the fuck? You're just a woman. <gasps> Whoa. What in the fuck? Uh, Pastor John is a dick. Wait, I'm guessing you're going to get to this, but like, so people knew that he was a murderer I'm going to get to it. Well, okay. first of all, she survived. So Teresa survives. Oh, sorry. I, I, uh potential murder i don't know how she survived 15 stabs and a choking and she like got out of that basement and reported john to the police because you said that he she was jabbed under her shoulder left her right her left shoulder uh under her right shoulder blade so he was like probably trying to puncture a lung or something i think he was just stabbing away i don't know Oof, yeah. fuck. She's like, where are the race cars? <laughs> Poor oh, thing, God. at 17. 17. But she survived. So, 
I mean, traumatized forever, obviously. Everyone, nobody go into anyone's basement ever for anything. I don't even... Nothing ever happens that is good in a basement. Listen, I don't even like going into mom and dad's basement. That's always been a fear of mine. Even the first three (laughs) steps where the dog food was always, and whenever it's my turn to feed the dogs, I like did it as fast as I could because basements are scary. That's because you could see the underbelly of the house where all the evil creatures I feel like reach out and grab you. That's because that's where the ghost hung out. She hung out by the stairs for sure. She did like, like the bottom the of the stairs and then the basement stairs. She'd like hang out in that area. Hmm. Yeah. I <laughs> felt her there many a night. Do you think that do you think it was her that pushed you down the stairs when you were a child? <gasps> also, do you remember how Alfred used to chase me up the stairs? Do you think that he was possessed? Because, like, cats can get possessed easily, yes. maybe. So you think she was, like, possessing him, and then she would, like, Man, you have a lot of trauma the sta- around the stairs. And then jump out and attack me, just like you used to when we were little. You'd hide behind the wall and jump she out at me. She possessed me, too. No, but I was never afraid of that, because I always knew it was going to happen. Because <laughs> you did it, like, all the fucking time. Okay. Those stairs. She hung out by the stairs. So... He pled no contest in 1981, and a jury convicted him of attempted murder. He apologized and asked for help instead of prison. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't I feel mean like, to stab her 15 times. I feel like attempted murder should come with, like, a longer prison sentence, because just because that person survived doesn't mean you didn't fucking, like, just try to murder I- them! I definitely think it's circumstantial. I mean, like, yes. depending on what happened. But yeah. in this case, hell yeah. What your inten- intention was for them to die. You should and go away just for because life. They were, just because they were lucky to survive. And you said, you oh, well, you're a woman, so it doesn't fucking matter. <gasps> like, go for life. For life. Ooh. So, he told the judge, I wouldn't listen to people that tried to tell me that I did have a problem, and I realize that now. The judge told him... It is by the sheer grace of God or whatever that the victim is in in this case is still alive. Seriously. So the judge sentenced Ugh. him to prison for five to ten years, which is not enough time. Nope. And Teresa said they sent him away and they left me alone. They promised me that he wasn't going to hurt anyone again. Yeah, and how are they going to guarantee that? <laughs> Although... Well, yeah, after five to ten years, like, that's going to do anything. He's learned his lesson. He's a little less stabby now. Yeah. So, and he hates women less now. Well, yeah, I mean, he's only been around men for the past, like, five to ten years, so, you know. But just wait, it gets worse. Oh, good. So he's sentenced to five to ten years. He wouldn't serve nearly any of that. So he appealed saying that his attorney had made a mistake by not raising an insanity defense, and he won his appeal. Wow. Although I feel like it's super hard to get an insanity defense. So right. I feel like, well, why wouldn't they just be like, well, we'll evaluate you now. I don't know. I don't know. They're just like, chances are you're not insane, so fuck off. You tried to murder a 17-year-old girl in your basement. And I'm sorry, but regardless, if you're, if you're quote-unquote insane and you still try and kill someone, I think you should just be put somewhere, you know... You should be put Keep away from society. Yeah, definitely. 15 times is like a lot of energy and force and time. And and you clearly premeditated that. You like invited her down like. Yep. Mm -mm. So the defense attorney who was paid for by White's father 
he didn't get an independent psychiatric exam because his dad wouldn't didn't want to pay the extra thousand dollars that would have been that it would have cost for his well, the son. The dad's also like, yeah, you're fine. You're just a. I think his dad was like, I'm already paying a bunch of money to get you off, so I'm not. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Why would his dad even pay for the defense attorney, you ask? I don't fucking know, because your son just tried to murder a 17-year-old girl. I don't know why. I mean, I I guess it's said that, you know, parents will do anything for their children. So. Okay, but that's pretty open and shut. It's like in your own basement. It's not like he didn't stab her 15 times. Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh... I feel like at that point as a parent, you're just kind of like, it's probably safer for you to be locked up yes yeah. i would assume so it's for for your sake for their sake for everyone's, for everyone's sake. sake oh so so he wouldn't pay for the exam that would have been necessary for him to claim insanity and mm. john had said that he had partial amnesia and oh. the state court of appeals reversed the jury verdict and remanded the case what? So, instead of a new trial, he got a deal. What? After only serving two years in prison, mm -mm. he got two years probation and no more jail time as long as he got mental health treatment. And this poor woman that he attacked is like, now he's oh, out again. guess what? It gets even worse. <sighs> Teresa said that she knew nothing about the deal. So oh, one day, a couple years later, she's standing in line at a secretary of state office, and she said, I heard his voice, <gasps> and I had been hearing that voice in my head almost every day. I turned around, oh and he is just smiling. No! Fuck that guy. So this all happened just a few years before the state's Victim Rights Act was passed, which requires mm -hmm. courts to keep victims informed every step of the way, and it allows <sighs> victims to sign up for notices when a defendant is released from prison. Yes! So Especially she... something like that, where it's like, he could come back and finish the job. Mm -hmm. He's not someone that's going to just magically be cured. Mm-mm. Can oh, you imagine God. just going no. about your day and then all of a sudden you hear that voice and you turn around and, and he's standing there free? And you're only two years out, like, trying to, you know, f uh, work on your trauma and... And you're probably she's having still, she's nightmares. She's hearing his voice yeah, every day. PTSD. Yeah, PTSD. You're just, like, trying to convince yourself, like, it's okay. Right. He's locked up. He can't hurt anyone. And then you turn around and you find out he's not locked up and he can hurt everyone. And he's fucking smiling. And he's smiling. What a fucking creep. Ew. So then, so then, in oh, July God. 1994, nine years after his probation was up, 26-year-old Vicki Sue Wall disappeared from Comstock Township. Oh, no. White has re had recently quit his job as a long-haul trucker and was working maintenance at Textile Systems, Inc. in Oshtemo Township. Uh-huh. So I'm sure that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> I was going to say it again, but I always do it where I say things like six different times, and I'm just like, I'm going to stop doing that. One of these I, is going to be I don't be know correct. if I ever get it right. <laughs> so Vicky also worked at the Textile Systems, Inc., and he mm -hmm. and Vicky met, and they started having an affair. Oh, good. Uh, John, Wait, is he still married? John and his wife had one <gasps> child at the time and another baby on the way... 
This is the same person that he was living, that he was married to when I think he so. killed the... Okay, well. Yeah, I don't know, actually. They didn't well. say. That would be interesting. He's like, no, it was an accident. I have Especially amnesia. with his attitude about women. Yeah, but he's like claiming, you know, amnesia. <sighs> so maybe she's like, he didn't mean to. I don't know. Anyway, so surveillance videos showed Vicky getting into a black pickup truck with a bearded man in a grocery store parking lot at 3 a.m. Turns out, guess who that pickup truck belonged to? John White. So he was brought in for questioning, and at first he was very evasive. The then sheriff's deputy said, he at first said he didn't know what I was talking about. He hadn't seen her, and when I confronted him with the video of him up there, he said he did see her up there, did meet her up there. He then claimed oh, he... Oh, you meant that person. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I thought you were talking about a completely different person. He then claimed that he dropped Vicky off at her home that morning, and she was alive when he left, obviously. When... Oh, convenient. Yeah. So, although the investigators didn't believe his story, they didn't have any evidence to charge him. The sheriff said, I knew he had killed her, but they had to let him go. Yeah, no evidence. Within days... Uh, White tried to kill himself with pills and alcohol, and later he told detectives that he may have hurt Vicky during one of his blackouts. You know, it's so disappointing when scum like this tries to kill themselves and, and just doesn't succeed. Yeah. Like, come on! Yeah, I know. If only he <laughs> I mean, actually done you know, it. I want you to to uh, be held accountable for your crimes, right, obviously. That would be hurting nice. people. But if you could just die, that'd be nice, too. Yeah. So early on in the investigation, a detective who interviewed White wrote, John advised that he has blackout spells and that he thinks he does violent things when he has blackouts. I asked him if it was possible that he had done something to Vicky to hurt her, and he indicated that it was possible. So obviously not taking full responsibility. <sighs> you know, I just like, I'm fine most 90% of the time. And then once every few years, I just have a horrible blackout and end up like, mauling women mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. white's wife told friends that he had multiple personalities and oh. when he's doing things he says that he feels like he's watching from somewhere else so it may have been the uh -oh. same wife if he if she if he like convinced yeah. her that he has like some serious mental health issues happening well and you might as i mean i don't know it sounds like he's probably not the best partner anyway, so she's probably broken down mentally and emotionally. Yeah, I mean, if he's, like, an alcoholic but, having, like, blackouts and shit. But then also like, to have, like, his murder charge overturned for, like, mental illness or whatever, then she was like, oh, well, maybe it is true that he, yeah. like, actually is mentally ill because the court is saying he can't be held responsible for this could stuff. Be. So and he could be like, see, I true. told you there's yeah. something wrong with me. Right. Yeah, could be. So police were, they did luminol his truck, which, as I'm sure we all know, is that stuff that you spray on and then you use the, like, UV light or black light mm -hmm. and then you can see, like, where blood or bodily fluids are. Right. Since we all watch forensic files and they right. do the luminol thing a lot. So even though they saw no blood with the, like, naked eye, when uh -huh. they did the luminol thing, it lit up in a couple of spots. Or as hmm. they say in uh, Forensic Files, it lit up like a Christmas tree, or whatever they say. <laughs> Tis the season. Merry Christmas, uh, uh, everyone. Uh, Happy holidays. Okay, or so uh, like, a, like a Hanukkah menorah. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> or like a Festivus pole. 
Ah, oh, uh. so shiny, so bright. <laughs> so, okay, at that time, though, obviously DNA is kind of like at the very beginning. Right. So they needed 500 nanograms of blood, which would cover mm. like enough to cover a part of a dime, and it uh-huh. needed to be fresh. Ah. Whereas today, they only need half a nanogram, and it doesn't have to be, like, super fresh. Right. So, they still couldn't prove that it was Vicky, that it was her Mm -hmm. blood, and they were still looking for her body. They still couldn't find her body, but her uncle said, I knew she was close because he didn't have much time to get rid of her. So, it's one of these cases Mm. where, like, everyone knows he fucking did it, but they just, Mm -hmm. the evidence is, like... They can't get the evidence. No. you have to have that to charge Mm -hmm. him if you want to keep him away for a while. Yep. So... Six weeks after her disappearance, a resident was walking down a two-track on land next to his parents' home in a rural wooded area in Kalamazoo County, two miles mm. from the grocery store where Vicky was last seen alive. Oh, he noticed that there were two drag marks, and <sighs> so he followed them until he got to a white tennis shoe. At the end of the trail... Oh, sorry. He got to a white tennis shoe, and then he saw there was a trail of bent-over weeds, and those led to a pair of women's underwear. Then the smell hit him, and he saw a skull. Oh, God. After that, he got the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. Man. So she was just two miles from where she was last seen. Yes. So if people had been, like, wandering around there instead of praying. Well, this was a different one. Mm, I'm sure they were praying, too. (laughs) This is before he was a man of God and could control Ah, his congregation ah, ah, ah. into praying to find her body. But they, I mean, two miles. I mean, that's a lot to walk, though. If if it's his congregation, he's like, y'all should stay inside and not go searching. Let's pray. (laughs) (laughs) I get that now. God will find her. We don't need to work. Okay, so... (laughs) Vicky's body was naked with the exception of a t-shirt and a bra that was wrapped around her neck. Her body had been so badly decomposed that the cause of death death could not be determined, but the coroner stated that homicide was likely. Um, yeah, it's unlikely that a woman just, like, kicks off a shoe, kicks off her underwear, and then just, like, lays down and dies for funsies. I would like to see a woman kick off her underwear. I feel like that would be... <laughs> you got to do like a gotta, running like, leap. Wiggle. and then oh. mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you do that thing where you like click your heels together uh-huh. when you jump in the air. You yeah. Know? And then you like dolphin kick. In the air? <laughs> yeah. You like okay. jump up yeah. and then you kick. You jump up, dolphin kick, click your dolphin heels. Dolphin kick, click your heels. It's a whole... Oh, okay. See, it's a whole thing you got to learn. Clearly, you know a lot more than I do clearly. about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, prosecutors charged White with open murder, which maybe ah. that means he could be accused of, like, any type of murder? I don't know what open, open murder, murder means, but maybe they're like, it's all open. You get to choose first, third, second... 10th degree, mm-hmm. whatever could you be want. Any of them. Could be all the degrees. So White started like writing letters to his wife, and he was like coming to terms with being in prison for life and was writing things like, Oh, you and the kids <laughs> are probably out. better off without me, and it's probably better that I'll be here. Um, yeah, so probably. You he, psycho. Yeah, so he's doing all that, but he's not talking to detectives and he's not taking lie detector tests. He's not being helpful at all. 
But eventually he did plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter. Oh, because see, there was because, no evidence because he was out there when she was doing her dolphin kick and she stumbled and hit her head on a rock and, and he freaked out uh-huh. and had and was like, oh, no, we should to help you breathe. Let's tie your shirt around your neck mm-hmm. and I'll do CPR that way. Right. And, and you know, right. He's a, a logical man. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's like the best they could do, which is very shitty I mean, yeah because they don't have evidence they just have like the videotape and then some blood in his car that they can't tell whose it is Ooh. but they feel like that's a really strong circumstantial case it i don't know if you is, can bring in I'm previous sh- like you know that he previously stabbed a woman probably not probably not so. because you can't bias yeah. the jury or whatever to thinking like right. well he did it once he could do it again even right. though yeah but, so shitty. And I'm but like, I just feel I'm like guessing he's that already kind of basically like, oh, I'm going to be in life prison for life to his wife. Like, I feel like they could have been like, yeah, man, the best we can offer you is like, you know, first degree murder or whatever. Why manslaughter? Know, they, That's like nothing. They don't have they don't have any evidence. I mean, it's I all know. circumstantial. But right they could now. have made him think like they did. And then they could have, you know, got him trapped or whatever i don't know i just don't think it's enough i don't know i think i mean i'm assuming now this is just my assumption that where they are you know small town rural areas there's probably hunting that goes on he could have been like oh yeah that blood was from you know the deer carcass i put next to me in my truck in the cab (laughs) of my truck Oh, you know, like it's like rabbits or uh I just had a pile of rabbits. Something. I didn't want to yeah. put them in the back because, you know, well, they no, might... they'll just blow away. <laughs> so I just put them <laughs> in the seat next to me and let them bleed all over my car. Okay. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh White apologized and put that loosely uh-huh. in quotes <laughs> to Vicky's family, calling the murder a tragic accident. I'm still curious about what this accident was. Yeah, no. And he didn't give any details, so you'll never know. Uh-huh. And he just said that he loved Vicky very much. Ah. What a dick. So he did receive the most time possible, which was a sentence of 8 to 15 years, which is not enough. And investigators theorized that John killed Vicky because she was pressuring him about their affair and he didn't want his wife to find out. But honestly, like, he could have done it for any reason because he hates women. So I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that he had a reason he to doesn't even need a hurt motive. that 17-year-old child. Yeah. Seems no. like he just enjoys hurting women. Right. So while in prison, John told a psychologist that he fantasized about violently murdering women. Oh. In particular, the prosecutor and his defense attorney. They were both women, and he thought about uh, murdering them and having his sex. Attorney? Yeah, his defense attorney and having sex with their corpses. Okay, so either he's like really trying to ramp up for insanity and be like, "See, look, I'm crazy. I just want to like murder." No, and- no, this is. I think this is while he's like been sentenced, and they're probably like, "You need to fucking get help." <sighs> So this is the help that he's getting. Uh, I can't imagine that he didn't. He's never done anything to his wife. Well, yeah. So I mean, chances are he has, though. Right. 
So, or it could be like it could be like BTK, where it's like the family had no idea, you know, like he was. Except for his wife thinks that he has multiple personalities and blacks that's out, true. and he like drinks a bunch. Like chances are he's I'm not sure the best partner. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually served twelve years in prison, mm. and during that time, he claimed to have been a reformed man because he had found God. God is always hiding in prison. Thank god he is always hiding in prison <laughs> people are always finding him there <laughs> it's like That's where's really, yeah, if you're looking for god chances are he's hanging out in prison he's in prison yeah, yeah he's that's not a good that's good that's that's where he likes to hang out so on so yeah on february 11th 2007 he is released from prison again mm-hmm. and this time he's gonna turn his life around he's reformed he is reformed so while in prison, he went through group therapy and violent offender treatment. Then he relocated to a trailer park in Mount Pleasant and became a minister at the Christ Community Fellowship, which is the same church that Rebecca went with her mother, Sally. And did not do background checks on fucking. Well, all, so actually, the other members of the church knew of John's violent past, but so. they believed his sins had been forgiven oh, and God. that he was now a religious man trying to right mm-hmm. his wrongs. No, no, no. Because that guy had no reason to do any of the, like, no actual motives other than he's a psycho. Yep. Nope. So it gets worse. Oh, Rebecca's good. mom, Sally, was actually engaged to John what? at the time. And John regularly looked after Rebecca's three-year-old son while she was working. Uh, so uh, five okay. years, he's been free for five years. And after five years, he just couldn't hide his sexual fantasies and violent urges anymore. So early Halloween morning in 2012, after becoming a bit drunk after drinking several (laughs) beers, John walked over to Rebecca's trailer home. He attacked her, hitting her in the head multiple times with a rubber (gasps) mallet until she was on the ground and unconscious. Then he strangled her with a zip tie while her son Kanye was in the next. Conway was in the next. Kanye. I said Kanye, didn't I? Yeah. Oops. Yep. Conway. There's only one Kanye, and we all know (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, So his her three-year-old son was there. So then police said that White had undressed Gay's or Rebecca Gay's body. Uh, uh, but he couldn't remember if he had had sex with it. Uh, he uh, then <laughs> dumped Rebecca's body in a ditch one mile from her home, went back to her house, got Conway dressed up in his Halloween costume, and dropped him off at his <gasps> father's house. Oh, my God. So, Rebecca... So he just randomly, like, he's living with them and everything and y- for years... Uh-huh. knows this person yeah has taken like is like a stepfather type character to yeah. her and then he just like shows up at her trailer and beats the shit out of yeah. her and kills her yeah what yep okay 
Rebecca's co-workers began to worry when she didn't go to work that day, and then they reported her missing, and that's when John made his heartfelt plea in church to pray for her return. Oh, God. Although he did end up confessing to Rebecca's murder the next day. He said that he put Rebecca's body and the bloody towels and that he had used to like clean up the crime scene and the rubber mallet into a big garbage bag. Then he put the bag into the back of his truck, but it ripped and things spilled out. So uh. then he threw uh, Rebecca's purse, phone, and car keys in the trailer park garbage to get rid of them. And then he got rid of the other items near the intersection where her body had been found. And her body, yeah, okay, so he said that he drove Rebecca's car to a nearby bar to make it look like she had been abducted. So clearly this is, like, planned out, right? He's, like, trying to cover it up. So blood was found in both Rebecca and John's trailers, and a necklace was found in the back of his truck that belonged to her. He admitted to thinking about killing her for about two weeks before he did it. He also told police that he watched necrophilia porn and fantasized about having sex uh, with Rebecca's dead body. Uh, he fucking So then he definitely sucks. raped her. Well, no, he said that he couldn't get an erection, I think, and then he couldn't remember because he was in one of his blackouts. He had amnesia. Oh, oh my God. It was one God. of his other personalities did it during a blackout. Oh, I, I see. I see. At the murder trial, Sally, Rebecca's mom, said that John was not the same man that she had once known, and she asked the court to show the man she was once engaged to the same lack of mercy he showed her daughter. She said her family was devastated by the death of Rebecca, whom she called the family's heart and soul, and she said her daughter's now four-year-old son will suffer more than anyone. She said she was not yours to take. How dare you? Yeah, you fucking animal. On April 18th, 2013, John was sentenced to 56 years and three months in prison. The 56-year-old was found by the Michigan Reformatory in Ionia officials after 4 a.m. Wednesday, August 28th, suffering from self-inflicted asphyxiation. He was pronounced dead at 4.38 a.m., and he didn't serve even a third of his sentence. And that scum should have killed himself when he was born. So here's what I'm thinking, though. He was a trucker. How many mm-hmm. other women did he murder? Oh, I'm sure. Before he got caught he... for his second, for his first murder. Yeah, I'm sure that he didn't just all of a sudden start. Right. Later in life. Yeah. And then I read there's like another article that they interviewed this guy who like was also a trucker and that he like rode with him sometimes. And he was like, oh, he was like a super nice guy. Like I never saw him get mad. I only saw him get mad once at like a woman who was some kind of like she was working as some kind of official and she like for like the like trucker thing and she like basically told him you need to change your flat tire and then he like went off on her and oh, the dude was like not gonna tell yeah me what to do. yeah and the dude was like shit. i've never seen so much rage but that was the only time that i ever saw him like lose his shit basically but i'm thinking yeah like this dude hates women he's yeah. a trucker they don't like how many women did he murder i'm sure yeah you that's a good point i'm sure he's had 
multiple I or feel at least like... like attempted or something, especially mm-hmm. with like, you know, uh, with like sex workers and stuff mm-hmm. and no one reporting people missing or right? like if or if he didn't actually kill them, they're not going to report it to the police or anything that they right? were attacked. Yeah. Ooh. So who knows? So that's that piece of shit. What a fucking piece of shit. I know. It was really awful. I hate him. Yeah, I hate him too. I hate that whole story. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. I don't know that I believe that he is a scrambled egg. I believe no. That he, I think he wants people to believe that so that he yeah. has something else to blame for his disgustingness. Yeah, he's just a psychopath. He's yep. fucking evil. He hates women. He has serious rage against women. And the fact that he planned out each one in some way. Yeah. Or like contemplated it for weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just tells me that he's a tossed salad. Yeah, dude's fucking tossed. He sucks. He sucks. And the fact that he could just, like, you know, this guy traveled with him for a long time, and he could just, like, fool him. He fooled Vicky into, like, you know, having an affair. He, like, fooled his first wife into marrying him. He, like, fooled this uh, Rebecca's mom into being engaged. He fooled his 14-member congregation into thinking he was, like, reformed. He fooled the, the prison system, thinking that, like, he had some kind of... Uh, I don't know some kind of issue that he couldn't serve his own sentence yeah. and the other time that he was sentenced he got out before the maximum so it so just like sounds like he's he a can... psychopath who uh-huh. fucking sucks two mm-hmm. weeks he was thinking about it two weeks uh, and it's like murder his fiance's daughter you already know this about yourself so you're thinking about this you need to like get, get help, help. <laughs> fucking don't just don't murder her just don't yeah, so that was a that was real a, bummer. Yeah, shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. Ugh. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry. Okay, so just a little recap. Jerome has a secret security vest that he's stealing the winning Monopoly pieces from. He starts handing pieces out to family members and butchers and you know people that he knows and collecting money for each one and he meets Columbo the mafia dude who's able to funnel the money through other people and then cash in on profits for themselves the Columbo family's happy Jerome's happy buying lots of properties and cars and whatnot and then tragically at last we left off Columbo dies in a car accident, and so now poor Jerome has to find another partner to help him with his scheme. So now we're back with Jerome looking for his next co-conspirator. Yeah, so 
he's like looking for someone else to help him funnel the money. And one day, one time he was in London with his stepbrother Marvin and both their wives. And he was waiting to board the Royal Caribbean cruise ship when he met Don, Don Hart and his wife. The six of us were talking and we found out that Mr. Hart and his wife were from the Atlanta area. Jerome recalled, and they wound up changing tables to eat with us on the cruise. And he wore a fanny pack the whole time. (laughs) I just knew it was busting with hundreds of dollars of bills. (laughs) Do you say it like that? Hundred dollar bills. No, hundreds of dollar bills. (laughs) Dollars of bills. (laughs) Hart, Hart said that he had recently sold his trucking company for a small fortune and still had a network of contacts all over the United States. Uh oh. So Jerome's like, "Yo, I'm going to tell you about this scan." I said scan. Yeah, you I meant did. Scan. <laughs> 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 well, Hart, being an honest businessman, thought it was too good to be true, but he agreed to try it to see if it worked i don't know what make what about that makes him an honest businessman but yeah clearly he's not <laughs> this <laughs> this reporter wrote that so i wrote it read it okay um, and so in in 1998 one of hart's accomplices redeemed a two hundred thousand dollar game piece after that mr hart told me he didn't want to be involved in handling any game pieces but or or handling any money but he would introduce Jerome to two friends who could find the needy and the greedy. Okay. So he's not, maybe he's honest because he doesn't want to get involved in it. Yeah. He's He's like, like, I don't believe this. Let's see if it works. Oh shit. It works. I'm not cool with that, but I can introduce you to, (laughs) yeah, I can introduce you to some slime balls. Well, smart of him though. He's like not risking his own fortune or whatever. Yeah. Some small fortune. (laughs) So, the first to take on one of these game piece wins was Richard Couturier. Richard Couturier, who owned a chain of fried fried chicken joints. Ah. But see, like, he was actually kind of tricked into believing that he was helping McDonald's find real winners. What? Because he because he was told by Jerome that most people didn't even look at the game pieces. They were just throwing away their stuff and they needed like McDonald's needed the publicity of winners. First so of all, he, I'm sure Jerome McDonald's wouldn't that, care if people were throwing away their million dollar pieces because they don't have to pay them a million fucking dollars. Well, Jerome told him that every time they ran the game and had winners, their sales went up 38%. So they were like, you can help us out with sales. You just have to claim this ticket. We'll give you the money. It's totally on the up and up. And he was like, Wouldn't Sick. McDonald's be like a competitor to your fried chicken <laughs> empire? Well, if you're getting a million dollars, you can have your fried chicken <laughs> empire too. All drumsticks, no wings. <laughs> Ooh, all drumsticks, no wings. That is my new life motto. (laughs) Uh, So wait, do you think that he was just saying this just to like, be like, I'm innocent. I thought I was helping McDonald's. Maybe. Okay. But like, so Cordier was kind of also in charge of finding other people to cash. Mm -hmm. Get, you know. And he was finding like the needy and helpless. 
Well, he mostly recruited random people that he met at parties. Oh, <laughs> this is like a dumb. This is the dumbest. This is oh, the like, dumbest. Okay. At, at Mardi Gras in 1999, he was riding on a float through the streets of New Orleans, tossing beads into the crowd when he would shout to an, when he shouted to another reveler, would you be interested in being a McDonald's winner? This is so fucking dumb. <laughs> Jerome gave a, a couturier around 10 winning pieces, including several for sports cars and two $1 million prizes. Okay, he was doing a lot better with the mafia dude because that dude knew how to, like, <laughs> commit crimes without getting caught. These dudes are just, like, shouting <laughs> oh it at Mardi Gras. <laughs> hey, you want to cheat the system? Like, what? Well, he thought he was helping McDonald's on their poor, small business. No. <laughs> this is the dumbest. Jerome explained, if I bought a piece of property, I would borrow from my home equity and then Mr. Couturier would write a a check to my home equity loan. So he was like paying off his like homes and stuff. His mortgage? His mortgage for all his homes. Okay. Anyway, then (laughs) at a a dinner party in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Hart introduced Jerome to Andrew Glom. Uh, Glom, <laughs> yes, Glom. Oh, he had previously been convicted of shipping pure cocaine on a Pan American oh. flight from Miami to Dallas, and oh. he'd jumped Bond and escaped <gasps> Europe for sixteen months before completing before coming back and completing his twelve year sentence. Whoa, Glom, <laughs> Glom Glommed mostly right gave on. his winning tickets. <laughs> he glommed on. And he gave most of his winning tickets to old pals from his drug trafficking days. Stupid! So, in 1999, a million-dollar winner was a man who had pled guilty to distributing 400 pounds of cocaine in Pittsburgh while running a numbers racket from an Italian restaurant. 400 (laughs) pounds of cocaine. In one city. Yep. 400 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> Holy shit. And now he won a million dollars from McDonald's. This is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> How does Jerome not see that this is going seriously awry? Oh my God. That's why like, okay, I just saw a headline for this and I just was like, what? No way. And then I kept reading and I was like, what the fuck? What is happening? This is like deteriorating like, I have quickly. to do this, this one. insane. <laughs> He's like, yeah, let me give it to all, like, the ex-convicts who were running, like, (laughs) serious amounts of cocaine. Yep. So, obviously, like you had said, across America, McDonald's customers were becoming frustrated because... Just like the Canadians. uh, No one was winning. winning. And people were asking... If McDonald's employees were keeping the game pieces to themselves. One player from North Miami said, we're talking money here. (laughs) We are talking money. That's what I was saying. (laughs) And that, so that person who said that um, paid for a classified advertisement for the game pieces that he couldn't find. To complete his these game pieces. Yeah. 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 We'll like, you know, cash in together. Right. Uh, And no one responded. So... Right, because if because instead of sticking those game pieces to customers' no drink cups them. and yeah. French fry packets, Jerome sent them all to Andrew Glom now, who including eight one million dollar winners. Wow! 
Wow. I mean, okay, this is so fucking stupid. If he didn't want to get caught, why is he only, like, he could take one million dollars like a year and maybe like a couple well, like two hundred thousand dollars and let people actually win that shit it's been working since 89 and we're like in 96 or 97 it's now. just so greedy it's so fucking greedy uh-huh <laughs> you gotta the, cover your uh, tracks the, uh, though like cover your tracks <laughs> well he's getting cocky yeah he is he was, you know, he's a little bit stressed during this time because it's a lot of stress. So apparently his black hair turned gray and he was bothering his psychics. Yeah, and he was bothering psychics more and more about his future. And one psychic received a $50,000 game piece in exchange for chiropractic services and fortune telling. Apparently he did both or she did both. <laughs> Cracked his back and told his fortune. That... <laughs> Wow. I mean, you have to go to school for like eight years to be a chiropractor. So they must have had like the mm-hmm. psychic gift and then pursued yeah, their dream of being a pro- chiropractor. Yeah, sure. And then they're like, hey, you know, you're here for your chiropractic Two services, but I'm also a psychic. And he's like, let's do this. Yeah. Let's do <laughs> I will pay yep, you $50,000 for one, for one appointment session. where you crack my bag and tell my future. Yeah. Wow. That's more than more than I've ever made in a year. They must have been good. To do one. <laughs> so, yeah. Jeez. Wonder if there was any Ditlin involved. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Robin Colombo, you know, she her husband died and all yeah. that stuff. And she thought that the Colombo family blamed her for the son's death because she had oh. been driving. Oh. So she. Oh. That's yeah. And. And she thinks that they wanted revenge on her. So that's scary. She speculates that it was them or someone related to them that called the FBI on a tip. Although the tip, I just feel what? like the mafia wouldn't involve the FBI, right? Unless one of that's them what got I assumed, trouble. but I don't know. And think of how guilty she would feel. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, the tip. <laughs> To the FBI yeah. came in March of 2000. Right. Special Agent Dent <laughs> called Amy Murray, who was the McDonald's spokesperson, okay. to say that he believed that William Fisher, Robin's dad, uh-huh. who was the $1 million winner of 96, yeah. was a fraud. <gasps> so they kind of went after her family. Right. Okay. So that's why she thought right. that it was targeted. Because right, right. there are all these other people yeah. winning, but like... Lots why her family winning. yeah i can see that so murray phoned fisher at his home in jacksonville mm-hmm. and fisher told miss murray that he had won the prize in litchfield new hampshire where he was living for a year so <laughs> dent wrote he's like wrote did you in an hear affidavit. the message mis- the answering machine <laughs> yeah did you hear i left a message too <laughs> and and that's what dent wrote in his affidavit However, property and electricity records show that Fisher had lived in Jacksonville all along. Uh-huh. Dent wrote, I believe Fisher provided false and misleading information to Amy Murray when he asked about Gloria Brown, Robin's friend that she introduced okay. them to. Yeah. Murray revealed that she, like Fisher, had rerouted her annual $50,000 checks to Jacksonville instead of where she said she was living with her cousin Uh, up wherever uh in South Carolina. 
like, weird, you're living out there with your cousin. The answering machine says you live there. <laughs> but your money's going to Florida. But we all heard the answering mas- machine message. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Man, it must be a banking error. <laughs> we just can't figure it out. <laughs> Who would lie on their answering machine? That's just absurd. <laughs> So after this, Dent is like, there is something going on here. And he opened an official investigation, naming it Operation Final Answer. After Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. (laughs) Because, like, I guess McDonald's did, like, a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game also. I don't know. Oh. He could have been Operation Pennybags. It could have been. They could have. It could have been so many things. Operation Monopoly Man. Operation Do Not Pass Go. Like, Operation I don't know. Get Out of Jail Free. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They want to jail people. Oh, okay. Something's fishy. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the operation would involve 25 agents across the country wow. who tracked t- 20,000 phone numbers and recorded 235 cassette tapes of telephone calls. Wow. You work from the outside in, explained John Hansen, a former FBI special agent who specializes in complex fraud schemes. Oh. But but you really want the people who devised the idea, yeah, Hansen obviously. said. You don't, have to come up, <laughs> you don't have to be an FBI agent to come up with that one. Hansen said the FBI would have investigated the McDonald's scam just like any other boiler room stock fraud or pyramid scheme well, yeah. by gathering evidence without anyone finding out. Yeah, it's a scam. So like, you got to do a secret mission style. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is that Jerome made it a little bit more difficult to, to track down because he did all his recruiting and co-conspirating in person. He would meet people smart. in person and not talk okay. on the phone and stuff. That's smart. That is smart. I'll give him that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on April 29th, 2000, Jerome was driving with his friend Dwight Baker, who was a real estate developer and member of the Mormon church Uh-oh. with five kids and who had recently, not the kids, but him, he had recently been involved in an accident on his tractor. Oh. I, I don't remember why I put that in there, but, you know, he he was, I guess, needing some money. Because, you know, he's got five kids to feed, yeah. and I don't know that he could work right now because he's got Why was he injury. driving a tractor? Because he had a little farm area. Okay. The two were in the car when Baker first learned that Jerome still was in control of the McDonald's Monopoly promotion. And he was like, you know, you want you want in on this, mm-hmm. Baker buddy? And Jerome, or, um, Baker had some mixed feelings. He was like, well, in 1985, we lost our home. Our family had five children, and for the last several years, we'd been, as a family, chasing those game pieces to have (gasps) a little hope of winning one of them. Oh, my God. So his family played regularly, hoping to win. Oh, my God. And he's like, now I'm finding out there was not a chance that we were going to win. But that I could win now if I just say yes. But I filled my children's bellies with that toxic shit for no reason. (laughs) He's Mormon. He can't say yes. He's Mormon. Also, can they even play those games being Mormon? That's like gambling, isn't it? Like, you can't do that. I mean, maybe he was secretly doing it. You know how all religious people, like, do things in secret? Are they allowed to eat McDonald's? I don't know the rules of the Mormon church. I just know that they're long and ridiculous. Sorry, Mormons, they are. And, you know, so, so he was hurting for money. 
And his his companies owed nearly thirty thousand dollars in back taxes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And county tax officials started to sell parcels of his land at auction because yeah. he needed so he needed money. Yeah, he does. So Jerome was like, "Dude, won't this help you? Like, don't just take it. Don't you think it'll help you out?" And he's like, "I'll think about it for a little bit." And then he was like, "All right, a little bit time is up. I." I'll take that million dollar piece. Yeah, you will. But Jerome instructed him that whoever redeemed it would have to say they pulled it from a hash brown bag. I don't know why that was important. (laughs) (laughs) And that this time Jerome wanted $100,000, the biggest kickback he had ever demanded. Doesn't he have enough money already? He's so greedy. (laughs) Well, he's spending it all on his well, cars and houses. Well, it's never enough. That's right. It's never enough. So hash you got to maintain all that shit. Interesting. You got to get that breakfast McDonald's breakfast. Ugh, that's like the worst kind of McDonald's. So <laughs> you don't like those salty is. hash like browns? All... I mean, the hash brown actually is the best part of the breakfast. <laughs> it is the, best the rest part. of the McDonald's breakfast is trash. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. I just can't get it. I don't think McDonald's has anything good. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I think all their food's kind of trash, but, you know. (laughs) So, but like, you know. Oh, their soft serve is is good. I take it back. I like their soft serve, and they got a good chocolate chip cookie. Except their soft serve machine never works. They're always out of order. (laughs) I think I've gotten some dirty. Ew, I bet. Oh, okay. I'm taking it back. They got all trash (laughs) food. Well, yeah, it's trash food, but sometimes you just want a little trash. Get better trash. Okay, so he gave the hundred or the million dollar game piece to Baker, and Baker gave it to his adult foster son. Okay. So I guess like this guy, like as a teenager, kind of came to him, and he kind of took him under his wing, and so he's like wasn't officially like his kid or like officially a foster kid, but he, you know, he fostered him. So his, the kid's name is, well, the adult now, his name is George Chandler. And he was like, okay, like you're far removed. You're not related. Technically Mm -hmm. you cash this Mm -hmm. in. And he told Chandler that the, that the piece had belonged to a friend who was going through a divorce who didn't didn't want his wife wife to get it. Oh, Mm that's a good story. So he was like, you cash this in, you get a piece of it. You have to give him some of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he's not and part of the five children, right? He's just like an outside. Okay. Right. He's a plus okay. one. <laughs> so be, so then because of that, like he told him like, you know, we got to keep this hush hush yeah. because we can't have, have the wife finding out. That's right. So you're not allowed to do any promotions when you cash it in. Like no TV appearances. Don't get on that commercial waving your arms around yelling about winning a million dollars. Holding that big check. Yeah. <laughs> but on june 26th his phone rang and chandler uh so baker's phone rang and chandler was like you need to get up here to south union mcdonald's at 11 o'clock because they're gonna air our commercial and they're gonna shoot a commercial because mcdonald's wa- was gonna <gasps> oh, present him with a giant check oh he was gonna get the giant check oh and baker was like there's more to this than He's you like, know abort abort <laughs> abort yep but it was too late <gasps> When Baker arrived at the McDonald's restaurant, the two news crews were filming oh. Ronald McDonald showering Chandler with confetti. 
And that footage found its way to the FBI oh. field office in Jacksonville. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's all crumbling now. In March of 2001, the McDonald's promotion started again with a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire promotional game. I'm going to say this. Okay, so this promotion's been going on since 87. The top prize uh-huh. has been a million dollars. A million dollars, yeah. What about inflation? Like, don't you think that'd go up? Uh, yeah. Nope. It's always a million dollars. Okay. And a million dollars I mean, always sounds enticing to anyone. I just feel like that's the commentary on the state of <laughs> the United States of America. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's basically how it's been. You get paid yeah, the same. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you were getting paid in 87. Yeah, so a million dollars yep. is still basically the same for all of us who uh-huh. work, like, minimum wage and shit. Okay. Yep, but it's nothing to the rich. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, Baker admitted that during this time, that's where the greed on his part came in. During Baker? The Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <gasps> yeah, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting ju- hungry for money. Ooh, so ooh. he asked Je- he asked Jerome if he could, if here's, he'd accept a plot of... Here's the thing. Huh? With him, if he's taking that money to pay his back taxes, they're going to be like, where did you get this fucking money? Well, you, yeah. That's like a (laughs) lot of money. Well, yeah. He's like, oh, a friend won the McDonald's thing and gifted me money. Yeah, and give, yeah. Multiple of my friends keep winning and giving me more money. He's like, "Uh, gimme, gimme. I want taxes on that. Uh Gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Mm -hmm. Some of that's mine. Mm -hmm. Baker offered Jerome a plot of land in Edgewater Hills for a couple game pieces. Like, I'll trade you some property for some game pieces. Is that worth it? I guess so. Baker got a million-dollar thing and gave it to his friend, Ronnie Hewley, and a $500,000 winner to his wife's sister, Brenda (gasps) Fenis. Fenis. Is she also a Mormon? Yeah, they're all Mormons. All the ones that he's giving it to. corrupted. Yep. Ooh. But he gave them strict instructions on how to set up fake lives in or in other states and claim their prizes and okay. keep their mouths shut. Because his instructions work so well with his foster kid. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. On April 27th, 2001, Dent received a call from the detective FBI okay. guy. Received a call from McDonald's informing him that a Mr. Ronald E. Hewley, a lifelong resident of Germantown, Tennessee, had claimed the $1 million prize. When Amy Murray called Hewley's phone, she asked him to appear in a TV commercial. Mm -hmm. But Hewley said he'd prefer to remain anonymous because he was suffering from depression. Which, (laughs) that's a weird reason. (laughs) More like I'm suffering from being an introvert, so I don't want to be on TV. More like I don't actually live where I say I live. <laughs> I mean, that's the real <laughs> and you story. You won't find but... me there. <laughs> I can't because meet you there because technical... I don't live there. <laughs> I don't. I know my answering machine says otherwise, <laughs> but I won't actually be there. <laughs> so. Technical agents soon discovered that Hewley's Tennessee phone number was just a call forwarding device and that he actually lived in Anderson, South Carolina, just miles from the home of George Chandler, Uh, the last winner. uh To conceal his sister-in-law's South Carolina address, Baker took Brenda Fenis on a road trip 
So Brenda Fenis is the sister-in-law. Yeah. I just like saying her I name I know like you that. do. Okay. Because <laughs> it's penis with an H. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda Fenis on a road trip to North Carolina. And then he, recall- he recalled she had located an apartment and rented it, obtained mm-hmm. a phone, a mailing address, bank account, and I think North Carolina driver's license. So she's like yeah, going all smarter. in to disguise her thing. That's right. And on May 16th, 2001, Baker stood over Phoenix's shoulder as she dialed the McDonald's hotline and claimed the $500,000 winning ticket. She's like, it's so crazy. I just moved here. I got my McDonald's oh my breakfast. And you I You know what it's won. like to like move in and it's exhausting and I'm unpacking and I'm and thinking, like what can make my day better? Mm-hmm. First, I set up my answering machine and then I went to Always. McDonald's to get those delicious hash browns. <laughs> and then I won. So she agreed that she would pay the taxes, give Baker $90,000 and Jerome $70,000 and keep 90000 for herself. What? She only got $90,000 yeah. for all that work? I know. I mean, that's a lot of money. I know. Oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but still. But when you're talking million dollar yeah, tickets. Yeah, you'd think you'd be like, okay, well, Jerome or who's the one? Baker, I'll give you like 90000 or whatever, mm-hmm. but you have to give part of your cut to the other guy. I'm not giving out two cuts here. I just rented <laughs> a fucking apartment. Like, no. Yeah. Baker later recalled um, she had made commitments to other people that she was going to buy them a car, build a house, and she overcommitted. Yeah, so she she's did. she's spreading herself thin already. 90000 is <laughs> not going to buy you any of that shit. Maybe a new car, but not for other people, too. Phoenix also made the mistake of telling her son about the scheme and his wife and her other <laughs> sister. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole neighborhood and the answering machine yeah, message. Basically. <laughs> she's like, I totally live here. I totally just cashed in this illegally stolen I ticket from McDonald's. Scam the system. Leave a message at the beep. I'll buy you a house. Leave a message. <laughs> totally call me and I'll buy you a car. So on May on May 30th, 2001, McDonald's notified Dent of Phoenix's $500,000 win. So how long? And he discovered that. How long have they been um, doing their investigation at this point? Uh, I think a year. I think they started in 2000. Okay. He discovered that she too lived in South Carolina. And he... You know, like all good detectives do, pulled out a map and started <laughs> pinpointing where all these right. winners yeah. were. And he found that it created a 25-mile golden triangle of suspicion. I just feel like it and takes them uh, a long time to solve something. It's funny how in the very center of this triangle yeah. was Jerome's lakefront <gasps> home. What an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. Dent requested that McDonald's delay sending checks to Huey and Phoenix while he applied for wiretaps. And he said this intentional delay proved very fruitful because three weeks later, everyone was panicking. They're yeah. Like, Normally we were paid out really on. fast. Mm-hmm. What's taking so long? Well, and Phoenix is like, dude, re- I have this new apartment I have to pay for. I can't afford this <laughs> shit. <laughs> phone service too she's the one who got screwed so much money (laughs) so on recorded calls jerome told baker that phoenix needed to insist on something in writing from mcdonald's so baker could make a legal issue about the delay like Uh he needed something to be like mcdonald's acknowledges that you're the winner you know 
And so they can like sue them for not giving them the money right away. Right. I'd say, do we need an attorney? So he's like coaching her. It's like, you know, you should probably be like, do, do I need to hire an attorney right. or do I need to call the home office or do I need to call Burger King to like blast you for not to like, so you Burger know, make King themselves. To make a commercial and be like, McDonald's isn't paying up. We can't either, but we'll give you like. They a- say they have winners, but <laughs> look at this. You should come eat here. Yeah. We don't lie to you. Yeah. We just take your money and give you your food. <laughs> so, you know, he's like we said before. He's smart. Should we blackmail you by going to Burger King? (laughs) So dumb. I'll eat this burger instead unless you give me my (laughs) money. On July 11th, they, McDonald's, would launch their second and last promotional game of 2001, knowing that the game was compromised. Uh Golden Arch's executives considered canceling the whole thing, but Dent insisted he needed one more game to, to gather enough evidence. So Did they rig the Jack game? Green- Let me finish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jack Greenberg, the McDonald's CEO, had a big decision to make. To run the game, knowing it was corrupt, could invite lawsuits and damage McDonald's reputation. Yeah, but law... I mean... His, com- okay, go ahead. His company had endured a rough year with a scare over mad cow disease, <laughs> diminishing European sales... Oh, in Europe. I was like, they and... don't even use cow, but that's probably here. They probably do use cow in Europe. <laughs> Yeah, so they were like, well, our sales tanked there, and our domestic business has been in a bit of a funk. I mean, maybe you treat your cows and... better, but that's just, just me. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they're like, let's let's try and run it, because we think that it's going to happen again, and we can catch whatever right. is happening. As on schedule, the two winning pieces, the two million dollar pieces, were already in Jerome's hands. He gave one to his trusted reclu- recruiter, Glom. Glom is fucking up. <laughs> putting the former drug trafficker on the FBI's radar for the first time. Yeah. So he not he was like getting by trafficking mm. his drugs and now he's on alert. Okay, look, it's like common knowledge that you only do one illegal thing at a time. <sighs> So if you're doing your McDonald's thing, you stop with your drug trafficking thing or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, greedy people. So, and he gave the other one to Baker. Dumb. I just feel like it's already suspicious that two people you gave your tickets to haven't gotten their money. Aren't you suspicious? And then you're still going to like, you're still going to steal a million dollars. Like so greedy. Or two million dollars. Like just let it go this mm-hmm. time. Well, Jerome told Baker in a phone call that was recorded in a phone call recorded by the FBI. He's like, hey, I got to get some kind of deposit this time. Because before when he was working with Baker, it was like, all right, I trust you. You've been giving me my money. You're a Mormon. You're trustworthy. You're a a man (laughs) of God, you know, so you'll give me the money. But this time he's like, look, things are getting a little shady. Like people aren't getting their money on time. So uh, I'm going to need a deposit. And Baker was like, what? My my word's not good enough. Yeah. And he was like, well, your word is good, but are you willing to back it up? And he was like, <laughs> so basically, yeah, I'll back your word it up. is not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he was like, I'll back it up. Back it up. And he backed it up, backed That's it right. up. But Baker had other problems. You see, his sister-in-law, Phoenix, had flown to California to receive her $500,000 prize directly from Simon Marketing. Uh-huh. Baker and his wife had spent days staking out the Indianapolis airport 
watching and waiting for her to come back from California with the wind. She didn't let them know when she was headed back. They just had to keep driving to the airport. Uh, well, I think she was kind of planning on keeping it all to herself. Oh, double crossed by their own relative. By the Phoenix. Well, because she promised everyone a new fucking car. She can't just take 90000 She needs more than that. <laughs> Finally, on July 20th, Phoenix strolled into her arrivals and Baker accosted her and found that she had $20,000 in cash and a cashier's check for the $480,000 remainder. Whoa. Well, they're like fighting at the airport. <laughs> so and like, obviously. Obviously, the FBI agents have been tailing them, and they got it on film. <laughs> they're sitting there, like, pretending to read their newspapers, just, like, pointing a camcorder at them. <laughs> There's, like, a hole yeah. cut out in the paper with a, <laughs> a big yeah, 1980s-style like, camcorder. Has a hole through theirs. Slung over their shoulders. pictures with, like, flash bulbs. They're, like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're too much, like, in a heated argument to even pay attention. <laughs> are you in the middle of a fucking airport oh my god <laughs> and then so you know they're just like collecting their evidence they're not yeah accosting them you know they're not going up to them accosting so them they're following them around accosting them they're not gonna beat so they're them like following right baker <laughs> and then they followed baker into a quiet corner of corbin kentucky where he handed jerome a mcdonald's paper bag containing seventy thousand dollars in cash classic uh, right <laughs> gotta keep it on brand so baker planned to pass the uh, okay so then he was like you know he got got the cash and he was passed another winning ticket and he was like i'm gonna give this one to ronnie huey because he's gonna recruit someone in texas to win mm-hmm. all of this is on a phone call i guess what? i thought and... they were in person he's like passed it off and then they're like let's get on wait, a call wait, wait, wait. No, like he passed it off to Baker, but then Baker's like, okay, I'm going to give it to Ronnie. And then Ronnie recruits a man in Texas. So Ronnie's on the phone with oh, the guy in Texas okay. being like, all right, you got to do this, right. you know. Here's how you make it look like you live somewhere you don't. <laughs> and so then they pulled Ronnie's like phone call records because they yeah, were like, obviously. who is this person that he talked to in Texas? Yeah. And they scrolled through his dialed numbers and there was only one number in Texas that he called. <laughs> And it belonged to Huey's brother-in-law, oh a God. construction manager in Granbury named John Davis. Oh, my God. On Sunday, July 22nd, at 10 a.m., two FBI surveillance teams tailed Baker and Jerome to a secluded area in South Carolina town named Fair Play, uh, ironically. So ironic. <laughs> <laughs> but the dense woodland area prevented them from witnessing the transfer <laughs> so agents then followed baker <laughs> to huey's home in anderson where they believed he passed him the one million dollar winning game piece okay. eight days later dent received a call from amy murray someone had claimed the one million dollar ticket she said then dent was like hmm, is the winner's name John Davis by any chance? Oh. And she was like, it is. She's like, you must be Weird. a psychic chiropractor. Psychic. <laughs> it must be rubbing off. <laughs> so by giving the go-ahead to run the game, McDonald's CEO Jack Greenberg had allowed the feds to discover Glom and his network of, mu- of million-dollar winners. 19 days later, on August 22nd, 2001, the FBI fanned out and made eight arrests, including wow. Dwight and Dwight and Linda Baker, 
John Davis, Andrew Glom, Michael Hoover, Ronald Huey, and Brenda Fenis. I wonder if they would have caught on if someone didn't tip them off. I don't know. I think something would have had they to They had do. to, yeah. It was years and years. And, like, no one's fucking like, winning. the entire time. Except for people related yeah. to the guy who's in charge of it all. Like, I don't know why it took them so long, though. I just feel like it was so obvious the whole time. The FBI agents surrounded Jerome's home, and they put him in cuffs, and they charged him with com- conspiracy to commit mail fraud. Mm-hmm. And set his bond at $1 million. People that worked at Simon Marketing were like in disbelief. They were like, how could the man who searched our shoes be guilty of theft? Well, come on, you point in a different direction. <laughs> like, that's classic behavior. <laughs> yeah, Misdirection. Exactly. They, they thought, they thought, like he wow, was on the up and up. Unlike him. Even mm-hmm. though he was like buying hella cars and shit. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, th- but he already, you know, he made a good amount of money like at his job. That's not like that anyway. much money to keep buying a bunch of cars. <laughs> I don't know. And like houses everywhere. Well, so obviously Americans were shocked that McDonald's customers had been duped for so yeah. long. Jeffrey Harris, who was a former deputy attorney general, complained to CNN, people that were buying the hamburgers... All they were getting at this point was cholesterol. (laughs) (laughs) And a shitty hamburger. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jerome became the butt of media jokes. Are you worried the police are going to take him down to the station and give him a grilling? One newscaster asked. (laughs) During his six-hour interrogation, Agent Dent presented Jerome with their evidence. But Jerome still thought that he had his ace in the hole. In the weeks that oh, the followed, Canada he provided thing? the That's yep. so dumb. He, pro- <laughs> he provided the FBI with documents he claimed proved that Simon Marketing rigged McDonald's contest to bilk Canadian customers. A source close to Jerome told CNN that he had also hoped to use his St. Jude's million dollar donation oh, to try and secure a reduced they don't prison give a shit sentence. About that. Also, Okay, so what? They duped Canada. You're still going to prison for, like, fucking ever, and we'll get someone who's, like, rigging the Canada one. Like, how is that going to be like, oh, you're so right. We're going to let you go now. Mm-hmm. Well, they started it, You've been scamming it, so people for, it. like, over 10 years, and we're going to be like, oh, well, if Canada, if they're doing it to Canada, it's fine. We won't arrest you. Yeah. He's such a fucking idiot. Okay. Yeah, but obviously investigators were like, um, no. Yeah, obviously. And... <laughs> Jerome was charged with nine charges, Shit. which carried a five-year penalty each. No, wait, that doesn't make sense. What the hell? That's the thing about white-collar crimes is they're never, like, prosecuted a lot. With each of Jerome's nine charges carrying a five-year penalty... Yeah, it seems like they're each five years. Investigators warned him that he'd be 104 on his release date. Okay. In exchange for a signed confession... And his testimony in court, Jerome pleaded guilty to three counts for a total of 15 years. It's like nothing. And the government also took everything he owned. <laughs> Good. McDonald's, McDonald's CEO, Jack Greenberg, told the, told the country in a television address that the company had immediately terminated its relationship with Simon Marketing. The Los Angeles staff silently packed up their desks <laughs> as the company dissolved. Aww. 
McDonald's is committed to giving our customers a chance to win every dollar that has been stolen by this criminal ring, Greenberg later said in a somber TV commercial in which <laughs> McDonald's unveiled a special a special $10 million instant giveaway Ooh. and asked for a second chance. Ooh, wow. To ensure winners were truly chosen at random, there were no game pieces or prize boards. Instead, a prize patrol <laughs> tapped random customers on the shoulder. McDonald's, which declined to comment for this article, was quietly honored with the are also quietly honored the $1 million prize sent to the hospital, which was spent on treatment for children battling cancer and terminal diseases. They're like, look, we're not that bad. We sent out our prize (laughs) patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Try to just go tap someone. The colorful court case held in Jacksonville, Florida, started September 10th, 2001, the day before. So September 10th, 2001, which was the day before September 11th. (gasps) When the oh, yeah. you know, pe- people crashed into the World Trade Center yeah. in the Pentagon, which might be why you don't remember this oh, story at all. Wow. What timing. Yeah. More than 50 defendants were convicted of mail fraud and conspiracy. Jerome's super recruiters, like Schwartz and Hart Baker. and Couturier and Glom and Baker, yeah were sentenced to a year and one day in no! prison and handed huge fines. Baker recall- recalled that one of the FBI's top agents, known as the human lie detector, <laughs> interrogated him and added that if the FBI had focused on surveilling terrorists and not <laughs> McDonald's winners, 9-11 might not have ever happened. Oh. <laughs> Baker was excommunicated from the Mormon Obviously. church with his wife Linda yeah. and her sister Brenda Fenis yeah. and the dozen of... Uh, Dozens of other winners, quote unquote winners, only received probation and are still paying back their prize money at $50 a month. For like a hundred years? Winners. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Four of the winners, including Baker's foster son Chandler, had their convictions overturned in an appeals court, which agreed they were duped by recruiters. Wow. Jerome took the stand and admitted to stealing as many as 60 game pieces over a dozen years, totaling over $24 million in prizes. He said, all I can tell you is I made the biggest mistake of my life. For 10 years? For, yeah. Before agreeing to paying $12.5 million in restitution and the judge sent sent him to jail for 37 months. Okay, but who's that money going to? McDonald's? I have no idea. I guess pay back McDonald's and then they redistribute it in their ten million dollars. Yeah, but he's paying back twelve million dollars and everyone else is paying money yeah, too. I don't know. Yeah. And McDonald's sued Simon Marketing, which countersued. <laughs> and a group of Burger King, a group of Burger King restaurants tried to get a class action lawsuit together. What? And so did a group of unhappy McDonald's customers in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, way to go, Canadians. Man, that story took a really long time. Wow. (laughs) That was a crazy story. Right? I was like, how have I never heard of this? Wow. Crazy. So. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, like white collar crimes, they never get a good sentence. No. I mean, all those people like getting probation for scamming like all these people. And then like. I don't know, like, I get it, you pay the money back, but then it's, like, to McDonald's, and, like, who, like, what about all those people who spend all that time and money going to McDonald's hoping they were going to win without a chance that they were going to win? Like, what about all those people? I don't know. 
so what? McDonald's gets the money, but like they're already getting the money. Like, ah. That's literally how the world works, just in like a vacuum or something where it's like on a smaller scale, but you can see it better written out like this, you know? It's how it works. Everyone who buys lottery tickets thinks they're going to win or whatever and spending all their money. That's the lottery is targeted towards poor people to spend their hard earned money on lottery tickets with zero chance. Yeah. yeah, With like basically zero chance of actually winning anything. Wow. The toss salad and the scrambled egg. So tossed salad is tossed they're all fucking tossed and greedy they're so fucking greedy yep Ugh, greedy money salad money salad oh that's right yucky oh just so greedy <sighs> and so fucked up like it's so fucked up the dude's like oh we're gonna subject you to like strip searches and whatever but i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want because no one's gonna question me and my authority it's like yeah. And he's like, oh, I've got the Canadian dirt thing. And I like donated money to St. Jude's. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, St. Jude's is amazing. So That's great. But like, what about donating all that money to people who needed it instead of just like lining your own yeah. driveway with a bunch of cars you can't even drive? Like, the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck indeed? Yeah. So I tried not to do a murder this week. <laughs> yeah, I know that was good. But these crimes are also like so shitty. It's so frustrating, yeah. yeah. Everything sucks. And now for the portion that we like to call Crimey Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, so it's time for a little bit more uh, funny. Although this also <laughs> has to deal with a church, so sorry. okay so i got this from Mm -hmm. bold.com b-o-l-d-e a british retiree was discovered to have stolen more than forty two thousand dollars from a local church which he then spent on porn and dating websites damn that's a lot ian (laughs) ian mushchamp a 67-year-old from Greater Manchester sa- is said to have forged checks over the period of two years during this time as a bookkeeper to the minister. He admitted everything to the police, telling them that the cash allowed him to, quote, speak oh, to women on adult Over two websites. years, over $40,000? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he would ch- take the checks to parishioners at St. Helens Road Methodist Church to be signed, claiming they were for legitimate legitimate expenses. expenses. (laughs) And then he also, a female churchgoer revealed that he had forged her signature and she was left feeling betrayed and upset because they had known each other for a while. A man online posed as a woman named Jessica and told him sob stories in order to get money out of him, (laughs) which apparently worked pretty well. Damn, I am in the wrong business. I need to just make (laughs) sob stories. (laughs) Although, because he admitted to everything and seemed to express remorse, he was given a 16-month prison sentence. What? That was suspended for two years, meaning he won't spend any time behind bars. Uh-huh. Uh, his lawyer said, my client is a lonely man of <laughs> modest financial means who has been caught up in an unsavory matter. He added that he had gone through bladder cancer nope. and that made his 
ill-judged decision when suffering from social isolation and loneliness. So, like, wasn't his fault. It's, like, really not his fault. He needed that money. And, I mean, they were going to give it to the church anyway. And what's the church going to do? Buy more gold cups? Yeah, they're like, not supporting men pretending to be women with really hard lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have one that I got from LGBTQ Nation. And, <laughs> okay, so. It's a little bit Christian as well. Oh, uh-oh. There's a theme here. The, the far-right evangelical Christian group, One Million Moms, which is like, they're such a hateful group. Um, is it anyway, really like five hateful moms? I'm sure. <laughs> That's a lot of them, and they're real hateful. And then some man pretending to be a hateful mom with a sob yeah, story. Yeah, like, I'm having such a hard time. <laughs> My kid's gay, and I'm just oh. so mad about it. <laughs> so... Okay, so yes, this horrible, horrible group. Anyway, Bitches. they're mm-hmm. they're, ta- they're targeting Cascade Laundry Detergent for their latest breathless boycott, uh, <laughs> and it might be the mo- most overhyped one yet. The fringe oh. group, known for their loony boycotts of television shows and companies that show even slight support of LGBTQ rights, how is, dare they? Is an astroturf offshoot of the anti-LGBTQ hate group American Family Association. Oh, God. Barf. Um, they have significantly fewer members than their name would imply. <laughs> Sorry, I you told that. you! Called it! <laughs> the religious right outfit has their knickers in a twist over oh. Cascade's new commercial for their platinum dishwasher pods called Do It Every Night. Oh! Oh. <laughs> the campaign encourages people to run their dishwashers every night to save water using wordplay so toast. what is that word what is what milliquetoast i don't know i'm gonna skip that word milliquetoast <laughs> yeah. i have no idea someone else wrote this okay uh blah yeah, blah you can't even pronounce it i doubt you wrote it <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Like, this is my five million word for the day. Yep. Five million Um, dollar word. It would have been acceptable at the beginning of the last century. The spot gives a wink and a nod to the phrase double meaning. Describing the commercial as vile and sexually suggestive. (laughs) The the group's mouthpiece gives a solid reconstruction of the ad in an email to supporters. Quote, we do it every night. An elderly couple tells the viewing audience... Every night, a middle-aged couple adds, I live alone, but I still do it every night, a a young single woman says with a smirk. Then the two couples continue, right after dinner, and definitely after meatloaf. Ew! (laughs) Why meatloaf? (laughs) The commercial concludes with with this voiceover, do it. Run your dishwasher every night with Cascade Platinum. A load with as few as eight dishes is all it takes to save water. An Energy Star certified dishwasher uses less than four gallons per cycle, while a running sink uses that every two minutes. So do it. Run your dishwasher every night with Cascade Platinum. The surprising way to save water. Can you imagine what goes through the mind of a child when he sees this ad? (laughs) The email asks. I will tell you, uh, as a child, (laughs) 
who listened to Spice Girls, I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about, and they got a lot more explicit than do it every night. So that is, I don't very think true. they're gonna catch on. But go no. ahead. <laughs> we sang our hearts out to two become Dude, one. We belted that shit. <laughs> I didn't know how two people were going to morph into one person. I didn't get it. But, hey, the beat was dropping. I was thinking. Hey, you know, I'd seen um, Power Rangers. I understand when you get in your little (laughs) animal pod and then you guys become one huge, you know, fighty guy. Why can I not think of any of the words for that? It's a pandemic brain. Yes. But the so the email asked or the email asked that and then was like, we all know children repeat what they hear, and there's nothing <laughs> funny about kids saying, we do it every night. That'd be hilarious. Cascade should be ashamed. The group says they are passionate about removing this offensive commercial. As with most companies targeted by the AstroTurf group, Cascade has ignored them. <laughs> I think it's hilarious when children <laughs> curse. <laughs> I cannot keep a straight face when they're throwing F-bombs around. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) So if they're saying, like, off-the-wall shit that they don't get, like, that's funny. (laughs) Calm down. Why are you so hateful? Like, takes too much energy Uh, to be angry at a... So hateful. Commercial. (laughs) For for washing your dishes. Speaking of... um, Speaking of washing... Oh, speaking of washing. (laughs) Yeah, you can wash your body dishes... You can do gross? it every <laughs> night when you take a shower and use Humblebee Herbals products. Yeah, and speaking of saving the environment, use a shampoo bar. Stop throwing away plastic bottles all the fucking time. Like, use a shampoo right. bar instead. Zero waste. Yeah, order Humblebee Herbals products. They are zero waste and very affordable. Check, Check them out. out. Humblebeeherbal.com. Crimeany20 at checkout. No, but what I was going to say was... Mom and dad think that the, the Hallmark Channel, they used to watch Frasier on the Hallmark Channel at uh-huh. night. They think that they took Frasier off the Hallmark Channel because it was too racy. Probably. And I was like, what? And they're like, they censored <laughs> Frasier episodes on the Hallmark Channel before they finally took wow. them off. I was like, what are they censoring on Frasier? Well, half of Frasier is sexual innuendos. Yeah, innuendo, but, like, not blatant. What are Look, you going to censor? They do it every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I thought that was so ridiculous. Yep. Frasier was, like, made for TV. And TV's like, this is too racy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this was from thesun.com. And it just says... She opened an emergency exit on the Boeing 737-86N and climbed onto the wing to get some air, says reports. The mother of two, who was said to be too hot after landing on a flight from Turkish resort city Antalya, videos show her casually strolling along the wing before climbing back inside the cabin to rejoin her family. A returning holidaymaker told reporters... The aircraft landed, and almost all the passengers got off. She walked almost all the way from the tail to the emergency exit row, opened the door, and went out. By the time her two children were outside the plane and standing right next to me, they were surprised, saying, That's our mom! The pilot called called for an ambulance, police, and border guards. The woman who had been clambered 
who had clambered back safely into the Boeing's interior, told cops she was too hot, it was reported. Tests show she was neither drunk nor on drugs. She How had been are you so <laughs> entitled that you're going to open one of those doors you never fucking open and walk out on the fucking wing? Look, she was too hot. Everyone's too hot in there. <laughs> That's the worst part of the plane ride is sitting on the fucking tarmac waiting to get off because everyone's like hot and gross. Uh-huh. And you want to, like, get fresh air and breathe. This bitch is just, like, <laughs> she opened not the door, having it. strolled along. Oh, my God. Yep. She had been traveling with her husband and their two sons for a family holiday before the start of the new school term. Ukraine International Airlines confirmed the bizarre incident, saying the mom was now blacklisted for gross violation of Whoa. aviation safety rules and yeah. behavior on board. <laughs> yeah. That's so insane. I was just hot. What if she fell off that wing? Those wings are high up. Yeah, you can see like a, a picture of her on the wing. People took pictures of her when she's on there. She's just, just like, like strolling. strolling. Yeah. Oh my god. Just like strutting on the wing, like getting some air, you know. No. Like walking back. What the fuck? <laughs> well, now she can't go anywhere, so. I mean, at least on their airline. I feel like you get blacklisted <laughs> from a lot of airlines doing shit like that. You would hope. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Ah, well. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for checking us out again. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We've heard that reviews aren't posting sometimes for some reason, but keep trying. <laughs> uh, yeah, stay safe. Have a safe holiday if you're in the States and just stay home. try not to like gather, you yeah. know. Do like a face. Wear masks if you're gathering. Thing. Do something to prevent. I don't know. Just stay home. Stay home. Eat some good food. And check out right. our sponsor, humblebeerbowl.com, and get some awesome products, maybe for gift ideas. That's great. Check they them have out. Gift boxes, new gift boxes coming, and treat yourself. Yeah. You deserve it. You deserve it. Stay safe. Stay sane. Goodbye. Bye-bye. No one's going to question me and my authority. But sometimes you just want a little trash by the fiendish. I almost forgot. Ooh, all drumsticks, no wings. I forgot what I was supposed to say there. Fiendish. Fiendish.